Hello, I'm Helen Daly. Welcome to Build It, Thou Come. I'll be speaking with some of Australia's most brilliant innovators and entrepreneurs on how they turned their light bulb idea into concrete reality. We had this strong sense that we couldn't fail. There was no way this couldn't work. You know, we really respect our shareholders and, and to me, you survive if you add value. So, you know, I could look at it and say I can buy it for that and I can sell it for that. And so if you've got that ability to buy and sell and trade, some people have got it, some people will never get it. Some are household names and some you may never have heard of yet. In today's episode, part two of my chat with Christy Chong, the founder of Modibody, Christy tells about the competitive process, but the difficult process of taking on an equity partner and how she convinced a bunch of hard-nosed finance blokes to invest in her vision and her dream for her leak-proof underwear. Christy, when that dream or the idea hit you about starting your own business around this particular idea of the leak-proof undies, was it always a big dream, a big vision that I will create this and build it into a global brand? Or was it a smaller vision? I might sell a few hundred, maybe a few thousand, and it didn't go beyond that? Yeah, I, I, I think at the start, I was focused on the product. Can I even do this? So I would say, Helen, it's shifted. Yeah, my, my goals have shifted. So product first, then when I launched it, okay, got to see that there's market fit. Can I even make this a business that I can run and actually, you know, pay myself a salary? And then by that, tw- then in tw- like 2015, no, no, this is a big business. This deserves to be a big business and I'm going global. So it has shifted. Wow. Absolutely. The decision to take on the angel investor, you said you had, you know, this fellow who was helping you, a a sounding board, a a guy who'd been in a startup. Were they your mentors? I mean, did you have other mentors in those early years of development, sounding boards? Did you have accountants and did you pay lawyers or or investment bankers? (laughs) I didn't pay lawyers apart from the patent, so patent lawyer, yeah. um, I did. I didn't have an accountant in the early days. I did all the bookkeeping myself, pretty badly, probably, <laughs> but I did it myself. So I, I set up a zero account and I sort of self-taught how to do all of that. So yeah, where I could save costs, I did. And then as it was growing, you know, you need to take on those sorts of resources. It's really important to, for the business, but not in those early days. Yeah. So you really um, bet a lot and backed yourself. Yep, I did actually. I did back myself. I did. I, I, yeah, I just learned what I needed to learn. And I would say then I did a few courses, so a, a few network opportunities. Sorry. So my husband was reading the paper, you know, uh, he's a great consumer of, of, of the newspaper and often shares a lot of insights to me, which is great. So he said, Oh, there's this group called Heads Over Heels. Christy, you should, you should pitch for it. And they're um, a group that actually you present your ideas and then they, if you're chosen, you, they get into the room a group of people who are very networked and connected who can help you grow your business. And so they got, you know, um, media, they, they got lawyers, they got people who'd worked for, you know, Victoria's Secret, um, wow. manufacturers, all those sorts of things to the room and you pitch your idea to them and after the, yeah, you went and met with them and, and, and some of them helped, some of them didn't, you know, investors even. So that was a really, really great opportunity. So I thank my husband for finding that and reading the paper. Yeah, so did you take <laughs> um, on any more investors through that group? 
Not through that group, no. no. After I got my angel investor, no, I didn't. I actually, interestingly, I started going through the process of, because I also then went and did a accelerator program, so that was in 2016. Yep. I did an accelerator program called Springboard, which is more for tech businesses, but yep. we're considered a fash tech business or femtech. And so I did that, and again, I got introduced to more investors. But I put together a pitch deck, and I just sort of kept it there. And I went out and I met with people, that I'm like, no, nah, time's not right. Time's not right. We're growing. We've got cash. I don't want to take anyone on just yet. So I've held off until last year when I decided to take somebody on. Did anyone yeah. ever tell you not to start a product around, and I'm putting this in inverted commas, um, <laughs> icky women's stuff issues like talking about periods? Because it was a brave area to confront. Not a hell of a lot of underwear brands out there will talk about this sort of stuff and nobody really wants to talk about feminine hygiene issues. Yeah, I I, um, I don't really think I had many people brave enough probably to tell me that. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so maybe I was I just naive. I don't know. But, but you know, like, even after I presented to that room of, you know, lawyers, the women that came up afterwards, you know, and investors, they're like, thank you, thank you. This is great. You know, it was all secret, but gosh, amazing you share your story. And that just gave me more momentum, Helen. Like, I'm just like, well, they want to hear this. They want to. They're just embarrassed. Let's, you know, I've got to do this for them, for women. I have to champion this. So, mm. yeah, it gave me more momentum, I think. Yeah. No, look, it's it's just so interesting how you've done that. When you started selling online, just briefly, was it on Facebook, Amazon? Did you go to fashion sites? How did you actually do that? So my stepbrother helped me set up the WooCommerce site, interestingly. But how and did people actually, find your site? I mean, did you go through Amazon or Facebook or? No, no. So at the start, it was all those little bits of information, so influencers, and then we got a few media articles. Okay. It was all unpaid, all unpaid, um, editorial all wow. the way very much editorial. And then after a while, I started to pay for Facebook social ads. So not Google ads because no one's searching for a category they've never heard about. So I started doing educational videos. So the same stepbrother helped me, he's helped me with all the lifestyle images. So yeah, and we did promote ourselves that way. You know, those first couple of years, it, it wasn't high growth, not talking the 250 to 400% that we saw once I made that bigger investment. The first couple of years were slow, but it taught me, I mean, I, I think it taught me how to spend money wisely and, um, and, and even today, you know, with the agencies we use, I have a much better understanding of what they're doing because I was doing all the Facebook ads myself. So, you know, I, I've learned all about digital marketing yeah. and e-commerce because I've had to. So, and I think that's it's always better when you've been through something yourself to understand it and then be able to better negotiate with anyone who's putting a, a cost across the table. Christy, was there one move you made or one decision you took that really boosted your growth and sales revenue? There's not been one decision. It really hasn't been. I've attacked it from every single angle. And you know, my marketing plan was everything. Brands, partners, mm. customers talking about us, you know, Google reviews. Operationally, this you know we uh, we attacked it at all all levels. So it's not just one. Okay, sorry, but no, there's no one magic solution. Yeah, <laughs> idea. you've expanded into the UK. How did you make that decision, and how has that gone? 
I decided to expand into the UK uh, because I felt they are a similar market. So they're they're actually even more focused on sustainability than the Australian market, um, which is wonderful. And they're more progressive when it comes to their support for period poverty and period management. So that's one of the reasons. But also being an English-speaking country. And then I knew I've got an e-commerce model. I set up a website, .co.uk. You know, I interviewed three warehouses, haven't set foot in any of them. Uh, over the phone, did my due diligence through email and through you know Skype calls. And then chose one of those warehouses, shipped over some product and started selling. So we used PR, again, editorial to enter into the market. And then as we've grown more organically and through sort of that earned space, we've then moved into paid Facebook social ads to grow category awareness. So your product is manufactured in China, as I understand it. Yes. And then it's packed and everything here. And then you ship a final product to the UK. No, not anymore. We used to do that when in when we were very small, but now we ship directly from China into oh, right. the UK. Okay. Yeah. Now you were you were named the third fastest growing company in Deloitte's Fast Fifty listing for 2019 with phenomenal growth. They talked about 1,400 percent growth. Tell us about that. Yeah. So they're talking about you know compound growth there when they mentioned yeah. those growth figures. But yeah, I mean, look at it. That's it was quite a surprise to me, actually, because, you know, you're in your office, you've got your team of, you know, what we're now, 20 staff, and you sort of forget that that's the outside world, and it's wonderful to see that, but it's not what drives me, Helen, at all. It's about my customers, and it's about my team, making sure they're happy, they want to be here, and it's ensuring that I want to be here, and I want to keep driving this business forward. Mm. However, that very rapid growth must yes. have presented a lot of difficulties and challenges. Can you just give us a picture of how that's gone. Yeah, look, it is. you. It is. It's very, very challenging. So you are continually making decisions. You do not walk into work without a thousand decisions to be made that day. And you have to question everything. Like, so you're looking at the numbers all the time. You're questioning, what can we do? What's the new offer? Okay, um, mm. active customers, you know, how many they purchased? We look at data like all the time. It's, I live and breathe my data um, mm. and I live and breathe those customer surveys. You know, what are they thinking? What do they want more of? What do they want less of? Let alone, you know, getting yeah. the product to them, making sure Letting the product's the product. perfect. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's a product there, the QC, it's everything. And then product development, innovation. So we have a whole innovation arm of our business, which is, you know, we've taken on an innovation person, which was just me. So I was doing all that innovation. So when we've, you know, made new ranges, new styles, I was sort of driving that. So, mm. yeah, it, 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 your brain does not switch off and you move from, you know, thinking about the brand and the position to what tax I have to pay, what payroll tax. It's mm. a very much the CEO role. It's not really a true CEO role. It's a very operational role yeah. um, that I'm in. Yeah. Can you give us an idea of what sort of turnover did you do in the last financial year? How many orders you've had? How many customers? Yeah, so we've got in the hundreds of thousands of customers now, but unfortunately I cannot disclose any information now about um, turnover uh, just now that we've taken on a, a partner and we're not a, a publicly listed company. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, unfortunately I think there is some information available that has been um, published before, but now I'm not in a position, unfortunately, to disclose that. And can you talk about what sort of numbers of orders you've taken? Well, we've sold over two million garments. I can I can tell you that. Wow. Um, yeah. So In what seven years? 
Yes. Extraordinary. It's a lot of us. <laughs> yeah. September 2019, Quadrant Private Equity bought into Modi yes. Body. How was yes. that process? And being you being so fast growing and everything, I imagine it was a very competitive process that you actually probably had groups fighting over you. I did. So I just had my fourth child um, in January, and then I went into a competitive pitch <laughs> process in the March. Christy, so, um, I was. <laughs> No stopping you, girl. I um, yeah, I was sort of doing, you know, the whole pumping. You know, after I do a pitch, I'd be downstairs in little little room pumping out the milk and taking that home. So, yeah, it, it was a very very tough year, but also an amazing year in, in the end result because we did we had so much interest in the business and and they were men, they were male investors. There was only in that whole, I think I saw twenty different companies, twenty different private equity, and of those, only two 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 women in, in all those groups. So yeah. So sorry, I, does that mean but, you had twenty different companies yes. very interested in buying you? Yes. Competitively yes. bidding? Competitively. So the competitive bid there was probably about six. Wow. And the others were still decent, but the competitive bid came down to six and in the end it was sort of two companies that I was sort of umming and ahhing about and and I felt Quadrant was the right partner in the end. Yeah. Now, as you say, you know, they're they're mostly blokes. So why go with Quadrant? Was it the financial offer? Was it the culture? I mean, they're all guys. So did they really understand your vision? They did, actually. They did. They, you know, they've got wives, daughters, mums, uh, and they, that's why I chose Quadrant. Big believer, big believer in the sustainability, big believer in just helping me grow this business globally. They didn't want to come in and take control. They wanted to be a support for this business because they actually believe in it. And um, that was my decision in the end, which of those two partners did I believe mm. were going to you know, support me and support our team to grow. So, so it, it is yeah. to enable you and Modi Body to grow, to expand and yeah. do more of the international offering. Yeah. We took some investment into the business and that's going to allow us to grow. So yeah. we're pushing now bigger into the UK, into the US as well this year and in other global markets. So that was, yeah, that was a major decision because also there is a lot more competition in this market from US and Canadian competitors. We're in the top four globally, but we're, we're conscious that there's other brands and, you know, we, we want to be there. We want to lead now. It's a very different time. Yeah. Can you say how much of the business you sold or give us an idea because it's been your baby, your idea, your success. How hard was it to sell either a minority or most likely a majority stake? Yeah, so it was a majority. Look, not an easy decision, but I've always said I will not let myself get in the way of what this business deserves to be and the solution it can provide, not only just to women who can you know, purchase the product and to young girls who should be using this as their first line of protection for menstruation, but to women in need as well. And so I, I will not let myself get in the way of that. Is there a moat around your offering that protects you from competition? You've you've mentioned a couple of times there are competitors out there. And if so, what is yes. that moat? We've got patents 
protection on our products, so on our underwear and you know on our swimwear as well. So that's a big yeah. one for them, the pattern protection. But it's also, I believe, it's the brand and what we stand for. So compared to competition, we have really created a brand that our customers resonate with and then they can also see that we're a brand that's committed to innovation in the future as well. So, yeah, yeah those three things. So we'll continually look at, you know, pattern strategies in our business. Christy, you're obviously passionate about issues like body positivity. No photoshopping your models. They're real women. You have a diverse range of women who become your models. And as a marketer, you obviously went somewhat against the grain by not having the glamorous thin models, let alone, as we've mentioned before, speaking openly about periods and incontinence in your product info and marketing. And you also have a social donation program. Why are all those things so important to you? Belief, it it comes from an authentic place. I'm a woman and I I, I was fed up. I'm fed up with the lies. That's what I wanted other women to have. I wanted them to have the truth. And I wanted there to be positive, open discussion around menstruation incontinence because there should be no shame. I'm a big believer that no one should feel shamed by, you know, their bodies and what they do. It's just the, it's who I am. And I thought I could not go into this business if uh, I don't truly believe in what it stands for in, in every essence. And and I have had problems working for other companies in the past. I'm going to be really honest, like where I've struggled with some of the things they were doing. So mm. I think I wanted to take that struggle and make sure when I'm creating this business, how do we build a business that can have not only be financially profitable, but do the right thing. And whether that's from what women need to see, but also that sustainability aspect, but also give back to those who can't afford our product, but deserve our solution deserve a a solution that's going to allow them to go to school, go to work, or, you know, if they've been a victim of domestic violence, that they don't have to think about purchasing sanitary hygiene. They can just focus on the other areas of their life and this is a solution for them. Christy, I'm asking all my guests these next few questions and just, you know, short answers if you like. Have you had time to develop a business motto or a set of values or principles along your rather short journey of virtually nine years, but seven years as a company. Yeah, so some internal business values, is yeah. what you mean? We have actually, and that's been really important to me so that the team can understand what Modi Body is. It's out of my head and it's the team are living and breathing that. So we have a lot of values around teamwork, innovation, you know, a high-performance company. We're very much about, you know, outperforming as well as customer-centric, customer-focused in every single thing that we do. And then the other element of our values is you must have a social conscience. So, you know, even internally in our office, we they all, everyone uses a reusable cup. We we are conscious about, you know, running water. You know, we have plants in the office. Uh, we're trying to do, we don't print. You know, hardly see anyone print. So we're very much a socially conscious-driven team. And then we also already have uh, very much a brand essence that we stand for. And our mission really, Helen, is all about limitless positive impact and no matter what we do that's that's what we want to stand for would you do it all again knowing what you've learned (laughs) in the past nine or ten years i don't think i'm quite at that stage i could make that decision yeah i'm really happy where i am right now um, and i still feel like we've got a lot to achieve with modi body 
So, uh, yeah, would I go back and do this again? I don't know. I, I'm not someone who looks back and I'm here now and I'm very present in what I do mm. and don't sure I can answer that question. <laughs> What's the biggest thing you've learned on this journey to build your global business? Uh, biggest thing that I've learned is I'm a bit of a control freak and so I've learned to get comfortable with being out of control and being uncomfortable. So I'm still impatient and I think that's a really important part of growing a scale-up business or a startup, but you've sort of got to let go sometimes and, um, yeah, that's a little, that's important. You've got to be uncomfortable with the uncomfortable. And what's the biggest risk you took to start Modi Body? It's funny, that question, because I don't feel it was a risk. I just felt the way that I've done this, the way that I've grown, it's been right. Mm. So... Yeah, and even if it had all fallen over, I wouldn't have, I don't know, I, I think I would have been okay with that. I just, I would have just moved on and gone to something else. <laughs> what are yeah. you obsessed about at the moment? Oh, okay, I'm obsessed about our new innovation line um, and, you know, getting some of these new products into the market. So that's a big focus for me. You know, oh, gosh, I'm trying to get onto this homeschooling business. Oh. <laughs> so that's a, that's a bit of a, well, I was like, oh, we better get used to homeschooling. But yeah. look, you know, um, yeah, nothing in particular. I, I'd, I'd say that I move between things. I'm not, not an overly, you know, obsessed with personality. I mean, I watched F1 on Netflix. That was great. You know, <laughs> but yeah, that's just not me. <laughs> what advice would you give to those who would really love to try and do what you're doing? I'd say... You need to really think about it. I've seen a lot of women over these years, you know, have business ideas and, and you know, they, they can struggle. So you need to ask yourself why your product is right. Is it different enough? Is it really doing something that's going to change the way people's behaviours or what people really need? That's what I would say because if you're just doing something that someone else has done and it's another product, I don't know. It's yeah. hard. That's a, that's a hard. It's a, it's a harder journey. But this is hard in terms of you've got to got to change people's opinions and categories. There's more opportunity in it. So yeah, I'd question really question: Is it right? Is it the right model? Is it the right way to enter the market? Is it the right market? Yeah, yeah. all that questioning up front. And how much of your success so far with Modi Body is due to your marketing know-how, your drive? In other words, your innate skills. And how much is due to luck? I think a lot of it's my drive. I really, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I do. I, I think a lot of it just because I've looked at not just at marketing, I've been equally driven through the product. As I said, that finance aspect, you know, I, I still help people with their critical paths and, and do that type of things. So I think that drive, I don't think it's luck. No, I think the times allowed it as well because, you know, the feminist movement, the second feminist movement with Me Too happening, these open conversations with a more uh, greater focus from other organisations focused on sustainability. Sure, the those elements have been right. But I still believe a lot that has to do with the people, not just myself, but the people around me who've, who've been passionate enough to help me drive this business forward. Well, Christy Chong, it's been just a great pleasure to talk to you. Congratulations and thanks so much for joining me on Build It, They'll Come. Thank you, Helen. Very enjoyable. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed Build It, They'll Come. 
Let me know via Twitter at Helen underscore Daly. Better still, let your family, friends and colleagues know. Share it around your networks and I'd love you to give it a star rating to make it easier for others to find us. Be sure to subscribe as there are plenty of upcoming episodes you don't want to miss with more amazing innovators and entrepreneurs on how they turned their light bulb idea into an empire.